Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast with Dr. Stephen M. Huffman. Michael is a senior pastor with Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. The purpose of this podcast is to teach and edify God's people through a verse-by-verse exposition of God's Word. To learn more about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. And now, here is Pastor Michael Huffman. chapter 1 again as we continue our our study through this great epistle of Paul to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter number 1, and after you have found that, I have respect for God's Word. If you would please stand, please pray for your church family that's sick. Um, I know the Rogers are sick. Uh, He he talked to me yesterday. I know that Jane Jane and Nathan are sick. Uh, I'm not sure about Bonnie and Blue, uh, whether they're sick or they were called out of town. Uh, but be praying for your church family that's sick. We've got several people out sick, and uh, we're we're supposed to have we're supposed to have some visitors this morning. I'm not sure what's providentially hindered them, but we're supposed to have some visitors tonight at our evening service. A gentleman I spoke with yesterday, well, last night about the church. He saw us online, so it is working, and uh, he said, "Well, we're going to be up there tomorrow night." So they live in Matthews County, and no, they're not going to drive four hours to come to church. They're moving up here. Uh, in the near future, he's going to run a, a a nursery. He and his brother, um, so he's moving up here. So he'll be here this evening. Supposed to be he and his family, and so be praying for your church. The Lord's doing some work. We just got to get everybody healed up, and uh, get all this uh, nastiness out of here. And uh, they say, "Well, Pastor, we need a good cold snap." No, that's not what's brought it. it. Is a crazy cold. Uh, we need, we need the Lord to heat it up for us a little bit. So be praying for your church family that's out this morning. But let's read our text, Matthew chapter 1, um, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, I did that just to confuse Mrs. Agner. Beginning in, verse number, beginning in verse number 9, where Paul says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense, Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. This is the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask You this morning that You would teach us Your truth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. It is with... Uh, pastoral love and concern that the Apostle Paul prays for this church. And Paul prays a prayer for these church, for this church, these, these believers that only Paul, the only a pastor's heart could pray. It's easy to pray prayers, God bless everybody. But Paul prays prayers and prays words for this church that only A pastor's heart would pray. And it's our intention as we look into these verses to understand not only Paul's prayer for the Christians here, but to also understand what are the essentials for growth and godliness. Paul in his prayer, after he reminded the church of how much joy was in his life, And he reminded the church of actually those things that brought him joy. He says, I find my joy in 
every time I think of you. Only a pastor could say that. Only a pastor could really say that I find joy every time, every time I recall the memory of you all. I recall the memory with pleasant, sweet joy. It is certainly a great thing when a pastor can look on a congregation of people and say, when I think of you, it is with utter and intense sweetness. Not remorse. Not sadness. Not regret. But I look at you and I think of you with absolute sweetness. Paul says, I'm joyous in the fact that not only I recall you, but I'm able to pray for you. I'm able to intercede for you. And that brings me joy because when I'm interceding for you, I'm thinking about you and I'm not thinking about myself. And so I find joy in interceding for you. And he says as he goes on into the next part of the passage, he says, but this is how I pray for you. This is my intense prayer for you, church. I pray, verse 9, that your love may abound. Paul prays, first of all, that this church would know how to love. And that's where we see that Paul prays an abounding prayer. And he prays, first of all, that they would abound in affection. Paul says, church, I am praying this way for you. So that your love would grow more and more. Love for each other. Love for God. Love for the Word of God. He says, I pray that it would grow more and more. It's not that the love isn't there because you have love for one another. So it's not that the love isn't there, but I'll, I'm praying that your love would continue to grow. So he says, it's a special kind of love though that I'm praying. I'm praying that your that you're agape, your divine love, the divine love that is a gift of the Father, would grow. It's not an emotional love. It's not a sentimental love. It's, it's the divine love. And so folks, that's why we say that it is completely in, that a lost person is completely incapable of loving the way the Bible says for people to love. Because the love that we're to have for one another, the love that we're to have for God, the love that we're to have for the Word of God is a love that is a divine love. It's not a love of emotion. It's not a love of sentimentality. It's a, it's a love that only God can give. You know, the Pharisee, a Pharisee came up to Jesus one day and he says, good master, he says, what are the great, what's the greatest commandment? Matthew 22. What is the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? He quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, This is the first and great commandment. And he says, The second is like unto it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. 
Folks, the greatest commandment and the greatest thing that you and I could ever do for each other is to have that divine love for one another. And that divine love says, I give to you whether you can give back or not. This divine love is not the love of give and take. This divine love is a love of give, expecting nothing in return, because it was Jesus Christ who said, if you only love those who are able to love you, he says, you are no better than the heathen, because even they do that. Even unsaved people love those people that love them in return. Even unsaved people, church, do things for others who then can turn around and do that back to them. But Jesus says you have proven that you are a child of your Father in heaven when you can love expecting nothing in return. Folks, that's the divine love. That is the love that Paul is praying that would abound in the church at Philippi. And by application, that is the love that Paul is praying would abound in Emmanuel Baptist Church. That kind of love for each other the kind of love for each other that says, I give to you, I love you, whether you can return that love or not, I love you. I give to you, whether you can return that or not, it doesn't matter. I do this for you because I love you. Isn't that that the type of love that Jesus Christ had? Isn't that the type of love that the Father had? The kind of love that gives And doesn't get anything in return. Because what do you and I do? What do you and I spend, our, spend a lifetime, even as Christians, what do we spend a lifetime doing? Sinning. And every time you commit an act of treason against God, and every time you commit an act of treason, you or I commit an act of treason on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we shake our fist into the face of God and spit on the cross and on grace. But yet the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Christ died for us. And church, that's the kind of love we're to have for one another. I love you just because. You're you. And that's why you're supposed to love me, right? And I know we're going a little far, but that's the way you're supposed to love me. I know I can be a pill. But that's the way we're to love each other. And Paul says, I pray that that type of love, not that it's not there, but that it will continue to grow. But we've got to make sure, folks, and we've got to keep close accounts with God as we've been talking on Wednesday night, talking about holiness and the conscience. We've got to keep close accounts with God because we've got to make sure that we love God the way that we should. Because here's the rut that so many Christians get into. All this is by way of introduction, by the way. This is the rut that so many Christians get into. The rut is this. Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, you've got a church that did all the right things. From the outside looking in, this church did everything right. They had the right doctrine. They had the right creed. They had the right doctrinal statement. Jesus Christ says of this church that 
they, they take those people that say they're prophets and they test them to prove whether they are or not. He says, you hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans just like I hate. You've done this, you've done that, you've done the other, and, and, and you've done it all right. And to the, again, from the outside looking in, it looks like the perfect church. But then Jesus says these words, but I have something against you because you've left your first love. You're doing everything right, church, but you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And we need to be so careful as a church that we're not in, in the motions of coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and, and praying and reading our Bibles. And we, and we need to be careful that we're doing those things because of an intense love for God that continues to grow and not because we've gotten in a rut. And we're doing everything that's right. And from those from the outside looking in, they say, boy, that's a great church. But if I may borrow the words of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 3, when he's talking about another church, we may be a church that from the outside looking in, people say that you're doing everything right, but, when God, but does God, when he gives our assessment, does he say, but I want to I throw you up out of my mouth? I want to vomit you because you make me sick. Because you will not decide whether you're cold or hot. You're in the middle. You will not take a firm stand for God about anything. And you make me sick. We need to be sure and be, be firm, church, that that's not us. Praise God, I don't think that it is. But we need to be sure that that's not us. Paul says, I pray this way for you, church, that your love would grow more and more. So Paul prayed that they would abound in affection. He also prayed that they would abound in education. What's he say in verse 9? In knowledge. What's the knowledge? It's the Word of God. You'll only learn to love the way you should love unless you're in the Bible. Right? You'll only learn to love the way you should love unless you are in the Word of God. But then there's a third abounding prayer that Paul prays for the church. is the abounding in, that they would abound in affection, abound in education, but also abound in differentiation. And that's a several-syllable word, but it's a good word. It means discernment. Look at verse 9. He says, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. In a word, church, biblical love is a discerning love. The Greek word here for judgment is what we call in Greek a hapax legomenon, and basically that's a big word that means this is the only time the word appears in the Greek New Testament. It doesn't appear anywhere else. And it basically speaks about the capacity to understand. Being able to, to discern, church, not only the good and the bad, but what is important versus what is not important. And the word implies the correct application of biblical truth, and that biblical truth produces in your life holy living. Because listen, church, true biblical love that Paul calls for this church to have, and that Paul, by application, wants us to have, is only grounded in the truth of God's word, so therefore that type of love has to be judicious. And as we seek 
the type of love through the teaching of the Word of God that God wants us to have, we need to be able to discern the mind of Christ, don't we? You say, oh, Pastor, how can I have the mind of Christ? He's God. How can I understand the mind of Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of who? If you want to know the mind of Christ, what do you need to do? You need to open up the words of Christ. Colossians 2.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you want God to speak to your heart, you have to read His word. If you want God to speak to you in an audible voice, read it out loud. But that's how we know the mind of Christ. Is by the Word of God. Folks, listen. We need to take every action of our life. Who places we go. Jobs we take. People we date. And we need to take everything that we know. And we need to compare to Him the Word of God. Does the Word of God allow me to do this? Does the Word of God allow me to go there? Does the Word of God allow me to take that job? Everything needs to be revolved around the Word of God, church. And folks, listen, that's not an old message, but it's a message that has been forgotten, which is why the church is in so much mess. We know the mind of Christ as we know the Word of God. Because Paul's point here is this, and it's the same point that I'm making to you today, is that God's people need to learn to think biblically. And by thinking biblically, it leads us to holy living. The kind of love that we are to possess is that kind that is knowledgeable and is discriminating and it is under the control of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. What does Paul say we ought to do? Verse 21. Prove. Examine. Test. Test the authenticity. Test the spirituality. Test everything. You know, that's a lost commodity in, the, in Christianity today, isn't it? We want so many Christians so much of the time because it has the word Christian on it, it must be okay. Well, it's on TBN, it must be okay. It's on the church channel, it must be okay. It's on Daystar, it must be okay. It's on Jesus Christ TV, it must be okay. We need to be discerning, church. We need to be discerning. And the Apostle Paul was clear to the Thessalonian church and is clear to us that we are to examine everything. There are no exceptions to this command. No exceptions. And once the test is done, and what's the test? What's the standard, church? The Scriptures. Back in verse 9. Not the knowledge, the real knowledge in verse 9. The education that we're supposed to have. Because you see, you'll not be able to discern You'll not be able to differentiate. You'll not be able to have differentiation if you don't have education. And you'll not have the proper education unless you've got the proper affection. That's how it works. That's the progress. 
Because true, genuine love is based upon a real knowledge of Scripture. And once the test takes place by the standard of the Word of God, you and I are not the standard. We're not the standard of what is truth. The Word of God is the standard of what is truth. And once the test is found to be true, the believer is to hold on to that, to embrace that truth wholeheartedly and never let it go. And in order for the believer to have the real knowledge of Scripture, church, that is going to require discernment. But listen here, it was the Bereans that were praised because of their discernment, wasn't it? In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word of God with all readiness of mind. In other words, when they came to hear the Word of God preached, they didn't come with their own agenda. They didn't come with their own ideas. They came to hear what God had to say on the subject and search the Scriptures at least once a year. What's it say? Daily. Whether those things were so. <laughs> Sometimes, some months ago, I was up here preaching my little heart out, and I was sweating and spitting, and everything was just going everywhere. And I looked down on the pew, uh, and there was Bonnie and Blue sitting down there in the pew, and Blue was just flipping through that Bible. I mean, in rapid succession, man, he was going to town, writing down stuff, flipping some more, writing down stuff, flipping some more. Well, after the church, I went up to him. I said, brother, I said, what in the world are you doing? And he looked at me in his old country way and said, well, young fella, I'm checking you out. He says, but he did say this. He says, but I'm happy to report that everything you said was right. But that's what the Christians should do. Tell you something, church. You can't do what the Bereans did here. You can't search the scriptures to check out the truth of God's word on Facebook. My sermon is not on Facebook. Right now, at least. It will be later. But right now, my sermon isn't on Facebook. Well, it's live. Okay, I am on Facebook. But y'all understand what I'm saying. I'm not on Facebook interpreting Acts 17:11 correctly. So now, stay on over there. Titus was given the same command, wasn't he? In Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Holding fast. Holding on to, with a grip, the faithful word that has been taught. Listen, a person who's got love but no discernment may reveal a great deal of eagerness and enthusiasm. He may donate to all sorts of causes. His motives may be worthy and his intentions may be honorable. Yet, church, listen, without discernment, he may be doing more harm than good. And the more harm than good is when because there is a lack of discernment, they are led away doctrinally. How many battles have you personally had to fight with family members over doctrine because they were not discerning and they were led away because of some, what some crazy guy said on television? Or something they read in some book 
I had somebody come to me some months ago and said, Pastor, I've got a book that I need to ask you about. I said, okay, what's the name of it? And they told me the name of it, and I wasn't familiar with the uh, name of the book. And I said, well, who wrote it? And then they gave me the, the author of the uh, book who wrote it, and, uh, and I gave them this sound advice. I said, throw that book in the trash. Throw that book in the trash. Throw it in the trash? Yeah, throw that book in the trash. That's where it belongs. Because I knew the name. And I knew that they would, not that I didn't think they didn't have spiritual growth to handle it. That's not what the point was at all. But if we are going to maintain holiness in our lives, folks, we don't need to be reading stuff that we know is trash. And I knew that this book was going to say some doctrinally incorrect things. Well, Pastor, you usually name names. Well, I've turned over a new leaf. And so I told her, Rebecca doesn't believe me. She, her head came up when I said that. And so I told her, I've turned over a new leaf. So I told her, you need to take that Andrew Farley book and throw it in the trash. Sorry about that. Because without discernment, they could be doing more harm than good to their spiritual well-being. Here's the flow of the text that we've seen so far. Overflowing biblical love coupled with a growing personal knowledge of God leads to practical insight and discernment. Yet the Christian life must be motivated, church, and informed by love because it was the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 that says, if you don't have love, then you're just a bunch of noise. Because love is never intended to be this wishy-washy, undefined, sentimental type of, uh, you know, you make my stomach hurt type of love. And since we are talking about the love of Christ, it must be governed by biblical principles discerningly. Because church, listen, as a pastor, I am continually concerned that people operate with discernment. And as I've said before, I believe that one of the main problems that attacks the church today is a lack of discernment. Because so many churches today are spiritually anemic. They have, they have a compromised immune system spiritually because of false teaching. Churches today could die of a thousand heresies because they don't have the discernment to keep them out. Paul says, I'm praying for you that you would abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. There's only one truth church and we need to understand that truth discerningly I'm sure it would not surprise you because I've already alluded to it but I'm sure it would not surprise you if I told you that not everything out there that's under the heading of Christian is really Christian you know that and I believe that a believer that has no discernment and is just willing to accept anything that is sold or told as truth, either has no understanding of Scripture or no genuine love for God or, and Scripture, or both. Because what's Paul say? 
First of all, there's what? Verse 9. First of all, there's what? There's love. I pray that your love might abound in real, in real knowledge and in all judgment. So before there's discernment, there's understanding of Scripture, and there's love. So if there's no discernment, what's missing? A love for Scripture and or a love for God. Because our love for God is a direct link to our love of Scripture and our ability to discern. We must, be, we must have a discerning kind of love. There's no such thing as the adage, love is blind. Instead, we need to determine what's right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, and make the correct application of truth and stick to it. Listen, Paul is not talking about an emotional kind of love between a boy and girl or even a marital love between a man and his wife. But Paul is talking about the kind of divine love, love for God, love for others, love for His Word that will cause us to discern biblical truth, that will cause me to say to you, if your worldview is wrong, I'm sorry, you are wrong. Well, I don't want them to be mad at me. I love them too much to be mad at me. I love them too much to tell them they're wrong. No, you don't love them at all if you won't tell them that they're wrong. To be discerning enough to honestly look at someone and say, your belief system is incorrect. That is what is loving, church. Not because I say it's wrong. Or not because you say it's wrong. But because the Word of God says it's wrong. Because those that neglect discernment often become victims of false teaching spurious causes and unscriptural practices within and without the church. Why has, why has within the church over the, over the redemptive history, why, have, why has within the church these little cliques and these little schisms started and caused church split? Because people don't have the discernment enough to know when people are telling lies. Because people don't have a love for God or love for His Word. Folks, I implore you this morning, love God, love others, love His Word, so that we can be discerning, because this is the only truth. There's no other truth. This is it. And if we love God with divine love, we love His Word, we've experientially experienced it, and we know it in that way, then we'll have discernment. So much of problems in churches today, folks, I really do believe could be avoided with pe if people would just be regulated by love and, and have careful scrutiny and sensitive adherence to what God's truth says. And th folks, listen, those that love discernment not only maintain their own integrity, but they maintain the integrity of the church. Spiritual truth is to be contemplated. It is to be examined logically. It is to be studied. It is to be analyzed. And God's truth is a precious commodity that must be handled carefully. Listen, when a church loses her will 
to discern between sound doctrine and error, between good and evil. The church is doomed. Paul's continual prayer for the believers of Philippi is that their love would grow by real knowledge of God's word, discerningly. Because biblical love only grows as we have real knowledge of Scripture. And possessing real knowledge is the requirement to have real discernment. Paul says, this is my abounding prayer for you. I'm praying for you, church, that you would have affection. And that because you have affection for God, affection for each other, then you would also have education. You would be taught in the Scripture. And because you have affection and because you have education, you'll have differentiation. You'll be able to discern. That's the goal, folks, of the church. Love of God, love of His Word, discern between false and uh, error, between truth and goodness, right and wrong. That is the ultimate goal. Love of God, love of people, love of His Word, and discernment. And if I can say to you this morning, folks, if there's one prayer that I pray for every person here every day of my life, you know, those three things. That you would love the church, that you would love God, that you would love each other, that you would love the Word, so that you can discern between truth and error, good and bad, right and wrong. All of us know people that have been saved for many, many years and could not discern themselves out of a wet paper bag. Why? Because there's no love for God and no love for His truth. Oh, there's, there's a head shake and an eye wink God's way. But when somebody doesn't have the will to discern, why don't they have the will to discern? They don't have the will to discern because there's no love there for God and no love there for His Word. We've got to love the Word of God. We've got to love God if we're going to be discerning people. Because discernment is the only way that this church will stay doctrinally sound. And discernment will only happen if we love the Word, if we've experienced the Word. Let's take verse 9 backwards. Discernment will only happen if I love the Word and if I love the God of the Word. Because if there's a trouble, if there's a, if there's a problem discerning between right and wrong, truth and error, then it, then it lays at the door of either love for God is missing or love for the Word is missing. You say, well, Pastor, how do I tell if I love God or if I love the Word more? What do you spend most of your time doing? That's a pretty good indication, isn't it? How much, time do you, how much time do we spend actually studying the Scriptures versus doing other things? I mean, that's pretty simple, but that's the easiest test I know of because what you spend your time doing is what's, what's important to you. Right? What you spend your time doing is what's important to you. The prayer of Paul and the goal of the church Love for God, divine love, love for each other, 
love and experiencing the Word of God by the Word of God Christ dwelling in you richly, Colossians 2.16. Then as those things happen, then there is discernment. Paul says, church, this is my abounding love for you. Number two, not only is it an abounding love, but it is an approving, abounding prayer, but it is an approving prayer. Look at verse 10 again. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. It's an approving prayer. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your truth. We thank you, Father, for how it has the power and ability to change lives. Father, help us to be discerning people. Help us, Father, to love you. Father, love is so missing in the church today. Love for you is missing. Love for each other is missing. Father, may we knit our hearts, bind our hearts in the love of Christ, that we may love you supremely, love your truth, be changed by that truth. So that we can be people that discern between truth and error, good and bad, true and false, right and wrong. But it all starts with loving you. That's why Paul prayed so intently for this church that they would love because love leads to everything else. Lord, may we love you. May your life, may our lives reflect your grace. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I haven't loved God the way that I should because I haven't loved his word the way that I should. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't love the word, it's because you don't love God the way you should. Oh, I'm not saying that you don't love God because you love God in your own way. But if we don't love the word of God, it's because we don't love God. Maybe you would say, I need to fix that this morning. I would encourage you this morning to get along with God. Get alone in his word. And ask God to teach you to love him. Ask God to teach you to love his word. So that you can be discerning. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I've I've never received Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm not a Christian. And so everything you said is totally foreign to me. I'm not a Christian. If that be you this morning, then I would encourage you to find me before we leave this morning. And we can show you from God's word what it is to be a Christian. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had in your word. We ask you, Father, that it may continue to speak to our hearts throughout the day. Be 
glorified and magnified in everything that I said that we say and do today. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Divine Truth Podcast. We pray that the exposition of the Word of God was a spiritual blessing to you. Again, for more information about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. You can also find us on Facebook at EBC Mineral. Our Lord's Day services are 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. Sunday morning and 6.30 Sunday evening. We also have a Wednesday evening service at 6.30. We here at Emmanuel Baptist Church pray that God's divine truth would be proclaimed always from the cross, through the church, and to the world until Christ come. And now from all of us here in Emmanuel Baptist Church and Divine Truth, thank you so much for listening and please stay tuned for further episodes. God bless you.